this is Marnie. I'm back with Maxim and Marnie. Today we have a really special guest and I'm really excited about it. Um, I'm thrilled to have all of my guests on here and please know that you're all welcome and invited to share your story. I think the gift of doing this in our church community in Naperville here um, is exciting um, to bring us closer together um, when we when we get to tell each other about where we came from and what we think. Um, so today I have Randy Schneider. Hi, Randy. Good morning or good afternoon. Welcome, or evening. Welcome. It depends on when you're listening, right? Yes. Yeah, really. They could be listening anyway. Um, okay, so I want to start because I'm really excited. You're not 22. How old are you? 78. When do you think um, it's rude to ask someone their age? I think a lot of that would depend on their sex. For a woman. Yes. I, I have no idea how old you are, Marnie, for instance. I yes. think you're maybe, I don't want to get a slap in the face. No, no, no. Do it. it. But in yes. your 30s. Okay. 43. Okay. Yeah. But I, I'm a very bad But judge. you feel like you would want to guess younger for a Diplomatically, woman. Diplomatically, that would be the approach to take. <laughs> Because I was thinking about this. I think sometimes, um, like if you were to ask a child how old they were, they're thrilled to tell you seven right. and a half or 21 or still even 30 is really exciting. I found 40 to be great. So I just don't know like, oh, when do people, or like my parents just turned 70 and they're really happy about being 70. They don't feel right. badly about that or feel a negative connotation towards that age. So I just wondered. Yeah, we're very happy about being our age. But I agree with you. I think that in certain cases depending on your relationship with the person too if it's a female like I would I would be cautious but I was a I was a bouncer so like I had to pretty much your job. guess right away or look at right. an ID yeah. um would you have asked your parents friends how old they were in that era or was that considered rude behavior we in our era when I was growing up we would rarely talk to our parents friends you wouldn't speak would, to them. A child should be seen but not heard. Would mm. your parents speak to you? Of course. Ask your opinion, ask your thoughts on things? No. <laughs> so there were no kitchen table dinner discussions? No. That, that we would be involved in? No, not at all. Interesting. So wait, so tell me, where did you grow up and who was in your family? Tell me about all so of I that. I grew up in South St. Louis. Uh, St. Louis is different than Chicago in that the south part of St. Louis, back when I was growing up, was the nice part of town. And the north part of St. Louis was areas that you didn't really want to go to. Okay. So it's like the opposite. Okay, so kind of suburban. No, I, we grew up city, uh, city. 30 blocks from the river. Okay. 30 hundred. Um, we had four in our, or six in our family, four kids. I have uh, an older sister, and I had two younger sisters. Ah, so a man among women. Yes. And uh, we were very, very lucky. Uh, we lived in a big house. We had uh, four bedrooms, um, two-story. What did your parents do? My dad was a, an administrator in the city of St. Louis school system. Uh, so back when it really made, made, meant something to me, uh, he was a registrar at Harris Teachers College, and then he became an assistant principal 
of uh, a high school and the principal of the high school, and then he was a district superintendent before he died. And your mom? She, I guess, started working when my older sister, I don't know when she started working. She was a secretary for a chest surgeon. Wow. A heart surgeon. A chest. Boobs. Uh, <laughs> she came home with a lot of stories about lung cancer. Oh, okay. And patients coming in. So not heart, lungs. No, lungs. And so yeah. that's what you would call chest. Right. I'm and, ignorant, and yeah. The, you know how the doctors would use all their medical terms to describe what the patient, what happened? Uh-huh. Well, back then, she would then take that and transcribe it and, and type it up. So she had to be savvy right. in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so when you're saying like, it, the, so describe a kitchen table meal, like that was typical in your house. If you're saying like you didn't really, they weren't like, so what do you think about the presidency? Or what do you think about the world? Or what do you want to be when you grow up? What were, they were discussing the things of the day and you listened. In all truthfulness, I cannot remember yeah. any. When I was, you know, pre-teens, I really can't remember. What that was like. Yeah, I, re- it, it, it's, I was talking to my, one of my sisters yesterday, and I trying to, I said, I can't remember some of that stuff. I can remember snippets of things that we did when I was a kid, but I really can't remember. What was the overarching feeling? Do you have like a sense of a feeling, like you were safe, you were loved, those kinds of things? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. No problems. And yeah. when there's four kids in a family, um, you're always running someplace. And there were, maybe Sunday dinner was the time when all six of us would be together. The other times there would be Boy Scouts, there would be Girl Scouts, there would be this activity, that activity. And, and my dad, my dad was very conscientious. And I can... I can never really remember an evening when he was home. Oh, so he was he going was to not, basketball he, games. Right. He was going to PTA meetings at schools. So very... Or he was at church at this committee meeting or that committee meeting. Um, what kind of church did you were you raised in? Uh, we went to Holy Cross Lutheran. It's uh, the second oldest Lutheran church in St. Louis. It was founded in 1850. Uh, The school was founded in like 1860, I think. And we went to Holy Cross Lutheran School. And then, what else about, oh, and my my grandparents joined the church probably 1890. Wow. So we were really raised by a neighborhood because we, where we lived, my my mother's parents lived a block and a half away from us. Oh, I love that. And my dad's mom and un- and brothers lived maybe a 10-minute drive. So you're really St. Louisian. Oh, Louisian. yeah. How do you, St. Louisian. Right. So we really, it really took a village because we would yeah. be a church and we would, there would be aunts and uncles there and great aunts and great uncles, and people who knew us, knew the family, and anytime we screwed up a church, 
we heard about it. When you say screwed up at church, what was the expected behavior, or what did that mean if you weren't? We had to be quiet. Yeah. And all the we, I can remember all the the boys that I hung out with. See, we, you know, we were at Holy Cross Lutheran School, and then we would go to Holy Cross Lutheran Church. So we had all the good friends, and we would all sit together. And sometimes we would sit in the front row. Uh huh. And Holy Cross was a huge church. You could seat probably a thousand, fifteen hundred people. Very big. Uh, or How many can our saviors fit? What seven fifty? Yeah, I would say so. Be, pretty be, somewhere big. Somewhere between yeah. so a lot, so double. Depends yeah. on if how close you're sitting, or do you have poofy coats? Yeah, right. Yeah, but that's a big church. Yeah, big church. So a lot of times I can remember sitting in the front of church, and other times we sat up in a balcony. Mm-hmm. There, was, there were two balconies. It was in the shape of a cross, holy cross, and there were balconies, and there was like a boys' balcony and a girls' balcony yes. for some reason. Did you ever get in trouble for throwing things off the balcony? Because that's no. where I would get in the most trouble. No. I would take little, like they'd hand us the children uh, bulletins, and I would make uh, balls. I, they were not spitballs, but I would make balls, and I'd drop in, in old ladies' hairs, and I'd get in so much trouble. Oh, no, we, no. Okay. The, <laughs> see, you know, the problem was, my my family was very well known in the church. Yeah. And if we caught it at school, we caught it twice at home. Uh-huh. <laughs> what was the discipline at home? Were you spanked with like a belt? Hit with a No, not with a belt. No, but spanked. I can remember being spanked. Both parents? Uh primarily my dad. Your I dad think. was the enforcer. Yeah. yeah. But that um, didn't happen a lot. Right. It didn't have to come to that because you guys were no. good kids. Right. Yeah. My mom was had a very dominant personality. Her father, my grandfather, uh, grew up like on Second Street, two blocks from the river, and there were stories where he would haul logs, uh, driftwood, you know, up to their house that they could burn in the winter time. He was that poor, and he to ended, heat the house. To heat the house. Right. And he ended up. Uh, taking over his brother's uh, bricklaying business when his brother died unexpectedly. And he was like 19 and he took over the business. And his father was dead. He was a sole wage earner. He built that into a construction company. He, he ended up, heavens, he was the, uh, a director of a bank. Uh, so ended well financially. Very prosperous. But on the other side of the coin, I was thinking about this on the way over, he gave away a lot of stuff. One of his daughters married a Lutheran pastor, uh, and he was always sending them money. Mm. And uh, my mom Listeners married a teacher. <laughs> my mom married a teacher, and I can remember. I think my grandfather gave my folks a like an eight-family apartment building wow. to, to run, and you could have the rent. Wow. Okay. He, he was always doing Generous. That. Okay. Except with us. We would get maybe a nickel or a dime if we did something for him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> By the way, sorry. I had to look up the church because I'm, I was super curious. I'm a church nerd. It looks beautiful. Like it's, Holy Cross? Yeah. So it's still around. It is still around. It's a Missouri so Senate now- church. Missouri Senate church. And uh, for those of you who are familiar with a lot of stuff, church stuff, um, Two blocks away is Concordia Publishing House, 
and across the street from the church is Lutheran Hospital. Okay. Uh, so a lot of people who worked at the publishing house were members. And what is your ethnicity? German. All German. Schneider. All German. I don't know Both good sides. at knowing a name. Both sides, all the way. Well, but really St. Louis again, really, because they were there for but so long, My great, right? great, 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 whatever yeah. came over in 1840. Um, so and we've been so, around a while. And a large Lutheran community, and so that very much filtered into your life and how you guys live. Sure. What, what did your parents do growing up intentionally for faith? Was there anything that they interacted? Was there prayer? Did they speak of things like that with you not really no uh -uh. right it was at school it was at church it was with the, did you right. have a youth group oh yes walther tell league. me about that yeah the walther league it was named after cfw walther um and it was very much like the the youth group here okay interesting yeah. and you grew up did you have a tv i can remember not having a tv right and I can remember when we got a TV. I don't know, maybe it was 1951, 52, and it was 10 inches, black and white. I'm not good at math. So how old were you? Uh, about 10, 11 years old. Yeah, so up until 10 or 11. Right. That's we exciting. have a lot of our high school kids that listen to us. So what were you doing till 10 and 11 since you weren't watching, like they grew up watching Dora or Diego and they watched all these shows or Sesame right. Street. You did not have that. So We did not. What books? We listened to the radio. Radio. And we listened to their Lone Ranger. Yeah. So they and would the perform Green the cool. the Lone Ranger was like a play on the radio. It was on the yes. Okay, but it wasn't just the music. It was people performing. Yes, it was very much. If you've ever seen those half-hour Lone Ranger movie uh, TV shows, it was like that without the pictures. Yeah, and, and, it, and you would all. Or well, the other thing is, if you sometimes you see an old nineteen thirty-five, nineteen forty movie, you know, where there would be a radio performance. That's what it was like. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. That's and cool. So then, with sound effect guys. Did you listen like with your friends or were with your? Oh, I'm picturing with your sisters. It's at home with your family. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And what would you say, how would you describe um, everybody's personality in your family? Were you guys a quiet family? Were you a loud family? Was there lots of laughter? Did people cry in front of each other? My older sister and I always were fighting over something. Uh, how far apart were you in age? Uh, what, three years. Okay, so close. Yeah. Uh, and I can, I... I the one thing I remember is every night, this was before automatic dishwashers. Mm -hmm. We would have to dry the dishes. Uh -huh. Mom would wash and we would dry and we were always fighting. Yeah. Over, I don't know what. Right. <laughs> and my mom, I can still remember my mom singing, look for the silver lining. Yeah. While we were <laughs> fighting. Yeah. And then once we started uh, piano lessons, uh, we would always figure out, one of us would always be practicing the piano while it was time to dry the dishes. <laughs> right, because then you would avoid it. You, yeah. yeah, you'd get out of it. I'm practicing, I can't, <laughs> right. sorry, Mom. Exactly. <laughs> Can you still play today? 
I haven't played in a while, but yeah, I can. You could I can read the music and you I know where the, the keys are. Okay, wait. Yeah, so let's do that. So then you grow up in high school, you go to private school, you have this great family, these three sisters, and then did your parents, your dad must have gone to college then. Oh, yeah. Yep. So second generation. So you knew, like, third, I'm going to go to college. Your grandparents went to college? My grandfather went, was in the class of aught four. Addison College in Addison, Illinois. Uh-huh. You know about that college? No. It was a Lutheran teacher's college. Sweet. And uh, sometime after that, like 1910, 1915, Addison was growing, so they decided to not fight the urban sprawl, and they sold their property off, and they bought property in... Augustana. River Forest, Illinois. Oh, okay, sweet, yeah. And that's where Concordia University came from. Absolutely is. So that's that very sense. fascinating because I would think among his peers that would be pretty rare, no? Or am I just ignorant of that time? I would have thought that, I wouldn't have thought that a lot of people would go to college. So that is interesting to me that your grandfather went. Somehow he went. And I don't know how, don't know any of the details. Right, but it was unusual. I think so. Yeah. 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 So third generation and then right. teacher right. and your dad was in education and then drum roll, please. What did you go into? Family business. Yeah. Education. Yeah. So you were a professor at Aurora, right? No. No. Okay. Sorry. Professor. I, I have taught junior high, high school. Never community college. Community college. Oh, you did university. community college. Uh, so where did you go to college? Uh, I started off at Washington University in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. That was, for some reason, that was the family school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad, in heavens, 1930-ish, got a full tuition ride to Wash U. How? That's an interesting story. Uh, at that time, the I guess it was Washington U., gave a scholarship to the valedictorians in every high school in the city of St. Louis. Whoa. So your dad was the valedictorian. And the val- no, he wasn't. But the valedictorian, at he went to Cleveland High School, and the valedictorian was my mom's best friend, and her father had just died, so she could not afford to go to college. So my dad... Next in line. Next in line. Got the scholarship. So then it comes time for you, and you're like, this is where I'm going to go. That's where my older sister went. That's uh-huh. where my younger sister went. And how much was your whole college education there? How much did it cost? Yes. Um, my gut, the, the, I don't know. What I usually tell people is my dad's scholarship for four years was $1,000. My for sister, four yeah. years, a thousand dollars covered his four-year right. college education, and, and that was in what year? Wait, what year was that? In the thirties, nineteen thirty-ish. Cheapers. And when my older sister got, she got a full full ride to Washington University. Her her scholarship was worth like a thousand dollars a year. So, so four thousand dollars, and that was and from because she was a really good piano player. No, she was valedictorian. <laughs> she or was valedictorian, and then there was me. 
And you were the valedictorian. No, no, no. In no. fun. <laughs> no. You were the valedictorian in fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so then you go to Wash U. So yeah, so if she was right. three years older, it was four right. or five thousand dollars. That's yeah. crazy. Yes. But wait, so what do you think your dad's salary was? Like does that does that the contribute? most he ever made when he was the district superintendent in the city of St. Louis. And he had two high schools and I don't know how, how many elementary schools he was responsible for. The most he made was twenty four thousand a year. So does that uh, kind of make it not as crazy then? If your college was four or five thousand dollars for his kids, and he made twenty four, then it doesn't seem as as different because that's significantly less than like what people would make here or people's parents, right? I still think that education today has has skyrocketed, and that incomes um, there's still an income disparity. Like so. So if you did the percentages, it wouldn't still. I don't think so, but still, like for that time, I think college was expensive. Right. And it was something that not everybody could afford or do. So, like now you can you can get these loans, but it's the terms on the loans which are so ridiculous that people who <clears throat> probably shouldn't take them because by the time they graduate college, they'll have low-paying jobs. It will take them decades to pay off. That wasn't necessarily the case. Right. Um, so when you graduated college, did you have debt? No. So you graduated in four years, and you went straight. Four and a half. Four, okay, no judgment here. <laughs> this is all good. Uh, so four and a half. So then you went into junior high or high school? I, I started off at Washington U., and then I met my future wife, and she was going to Southeast Missouri State in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Yeah. Where did you meet her? Have you ever heard of Gamma Delta? Like the sorority? <laughs> no, not Delta no. Gamma. Gamma Delta was a Lutheran version of a fraternity. Okay. Uh, I don't even know if it exists anymore. Okay. Well, and, I have Pi Sigma Psi is a Lutheran fraternity. Well, like, that's for guys. But yeah, this it's was just for males. So, yeah. I actually and, just This was for men it. and women. Okay. Okay. And it was more just a, a fellowship place. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, it's where the, the campus minister hung out, if you uh-huh. will. And I was at Wash U, and Carol was at Southeast Missouri State, and we were both delegates to a regional convention uh-huh. that happened to be in Cape Gir- in uh, Carbondale, Illinois. Mm-hmm. So we met, we met there. And tell us about like what that was like. What was that? Were um, you fast and loose with the compliments, or were you very demure, both of you? Were you shy? Oh, were I you... have no idea. How, I'm kind of the <laughs> Sheldon of. I have no idea how to talk to girls <laughs> so then if you didn't have any idea then how did that even start or how i did have you... no idea well, because what you works. got her phone number i got or her, would she, well we, we would, would write she... it no 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 you didn't call back then because yes. that was a long distance call oh sure we wrote a lot of letters so you were like hey can i get your address yeah wait doesn't that blow your mind long distance calling isn't a thing anymore right Oh but, yeah, well, exactly. I for sure grew up with long distance. Calls. <laughs> or you like, couldn't eh, probably don't when I was growing up, you cousins. couldn't do long distance yeah. calls until a certain time. Well, yeah, just, yeah, or you would be watching that, the that time. That time is over now. That sorry, yeah, it no, is an interesting right. thing. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. But so you wrote her letters and you would ask her a question about her to get to know her, and then you'd wait yeah. two weeks to hear back. 
Right. And so this went over like a year you were like pen pals? Uh, probably three-fourths of a year, yeah. And then uh, we, you know, dated during the summer. And Because uh, then you were both in? In the St. Louis area. So then you were local. Uh, and then that next September, I think, I went, I said, I'm going to go to Cape. So I transferred. I transferred down there. Oh, for love. That's why it took an extra half. Right. But Carol was worth the extra half. Yes. And that the then that half a year, so I basically graduated in January. And that half year, I, uh, while she was finishing up, I taught at uh, Cape Central High School. My supervising teacher when I was student teaching I, I taught the first, student taught the first semester of the year, um, and he quit. <laughs> Went to be an insurance man, uh-huh. you know, like most teachers do. Sure. Uh, so, I, and they said, well, let's bring this guy in. So I taught the rest of that year. That's I mean, awesome. and you were, what, 22, 23, yeah. teaching 18-year-olds? Yeah. Yeah, oh, so yeah. not a big age gap. And what were you teaching? I presume English. Oh, I was going to say English with all your grammar posts and your smart (laughs) English writing. No. (laughs) Math. Yeah. Huh, math is hard for me. I missed teaching Rush Limbaugh by about three years. Oh, wow. Oh, he was there and would have been a student. Yeah. He he went he was in Cape Girardeau. He's a product of Cape Girardeau. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> so then Carol graduates in May or June. Right. And then what happens? Um, and we had been interviewing that spring, deciding whether we wanted to stay in Cape or back up to St. Louis. And we both got jobs at the in the Parkway School District, which was in West St. Louis County. Uh, if you're familiar with St. Louis at all. It would be like uh, we grew up, say we grew up in the city, and it would be like getting a job in Naperville. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So, um, wait, so you're moving moving with her without being engaged? Oh, no. We got engaged in, I want to think, September of our senior years. So you hadn't graduated. You graduated in January, and you yeah. proposed to her like right before you were out of right. college. Right, she was a year behind me. Right, right, right. So She's then younger. you proposed, and then when did you get married? We got married two weeks before school started. But we didn't have any money. You're right. So we found an apartment, and you know, we signed a lease. I don't know. I don't know. I guess the lease started August 1st, and we got married August 15th. We took a week for a honeymoon. We came back and we had to go to preschool meetings. That's awesome. Because <laughs> we didn't have any money. What yeah. you had no money. And so, did your parents pay for your wedding? Was it a big deal? Was it a. No, it was very traditional. Yeah. Yeah. Back then, you know, her parents paid for, the, for it. And you obviously share the same faith because yes. you had met in that way. And right. so, that has always been an important part of your marriage. Yes. What was the hardest year of your marriage, and what was the easiest time of your marriage? I or most challenging? I shouldn't say hard. Maybe. Well, one hard. of the questions you had asked before that you were going to talk yes. to me about was what was it like to be an adult? Yes. And when we got married, we got an apartment that was in the school district where we were teaching. So we were five minutes away from work. Uh, 
but my parents were 45 minutes away by car. Her parents were a half hour away by car. So we were on our own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we bought our car by ourselves. We bought furniture by ourselves. We did everything by ourselves. Big things, you know, you still get together with your with both sides. But we were really on our own. And that felt overwhelming, exciting. It felt like that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. You just do it. Yeah. Did you think you were going to feel the way that you thought you would feel at that age, like from when you were younger? Because I feel like I remember being a teenager and looking at 30-somethings and being like, well, they must know some stuff. And then I became 30 and went, I don't know the stuff I thought I was supposed to know. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think about it that much. No. Truthfully. Yeah. It just... That's just what you did. Yeah. Um, so was there a challenging year in marriage that you look back and you're like, yeah, we took that. It was challenging and we got stronger because of it. That first, the first couple of years was tough. I made $300 a month and she made $330 a month. Yay, Carol. Because I got, you know, an extra semester on the salary schedule because I taught for six months, you know, uh, and our rent was 95 bucks a month, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that was, that was before the era of credit cards. Yeah. Okay. Everything so if you didn't have it. Checks. Yep. Cash. Uh, so it was different. Simple? Yeah. It was pretty simple. It was pretty basic stuff. Yeah. And so it was challenging just because figuring out how to spend money and you would, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And managing that. Tell, um, when I met Randy, when we were on the call team for Pastor John, and one of my favorite quotes, and I think I've quoted you on here, but you can um, say it yourself, about being married in retirement. Do you remember what you said? Well, my rule for in retirement is I married you for better or for worse. But not for 24 hours a day. Yeah, but not for lunch. <laughs> or, for, or, but not for lunch. <laughs> not for lunch. Uh, and we, we practice that. Yeah, so explain that. Explain that. Yeah, like why does that work? Because you just think you both need to go get filled up elsewhere? We have found, the, to me, the secret of retirement, and we, I've been, we've both been retired, you know, say 20 years is having something to do every day. Mm-hmm. Like, I look forward to this. So I spent a good portion of the morning thinking about this. Yes. Getting ready, get dressed, blah, blah, blah. Purpose. Uh, that, that kind of thing. And was, so we do something every day. Um, and she does the same <laughs> thing. She has something so that we're separated. Yeah, so uh, you can come back and have something to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I play, in the summer, I play golf three days a week. Uh, and in the winter, play bags. You know bags. Yeah. Oh we wait, you bags. call it bags or cornhole? Cornhole. Yeah. I'm just curious about what your we play, language we, is. We say bags. Bags. And we we uh, play bags twice a week. Where do you play? Like at the Oswego Senior Center. Sweet. Yeah. I love it. Wait. Yeah. So and then we, we go skipped... out to lunch. That's the other secret of of that. Yes. The the one the three words that keep marriages together are let's do lunch. <laughs> Yeah. 
I love I, it. I think, I think, yeah, I think that it's shocking when you first hear it because you're like, wait, you don't, you don't like hanging out. But what you're saying is, no, 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 you're being intentional about your day. So you have things to talk about. So you value then your time together uh, yeah. when you do have it. So. It's, and I'm sorry, spending 24 hours a day, seven days a week right. with somebody, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't work. Yeah. It does not work. Yeah. I'd be curious about Mandy's reaction to, to hearing this because um, like we work so much. We travel so much for work too. And then right. kids are consuming us. So in our time of life, we, we're talking about like retirement, like we're not going to do anything. We're just going to spend right. all day long together. It's but the like, season. So what you're proposing is kind of yes. not the opposite, but but <laughs> it's, it's purpose, but it would be hilarious to hear her take on it. Yeah. Well, and you're in a season too. Right. Where we miss each other. Yeah. So you want that apart. time just spent. And it's fun to be with our kids and, and we don't right. always get that. So yeah. I'm not fighting you on what you're saying. I'm just saying like it's hilarious to be thinking about how my, my family would react to that. Yeah. Well, say, yeah. Different yeah. stage of life. So we skipped that huge part. So then yeah. you're in Western St. Louis. So how did you end up in Naperville? Well, my wife will say our daughters uh, got married in 97 to... Uh, Polish Catholic Chicago guys. Okay. Well, so wait, so you have two daughters. Well, we'll I'll come Sorry, back. Sorry, I was going to say because we need to hear that. Yeah. Okay. Um, and in 99, they had the audacity to have kids. Oh, yay. <laughs> the kids were born eight days apart. Uh, and in January of 2000, I said, I'm tired of driving back and forth to right. Chicago all the time. Let's yeah. move up there. So your kids were born and raised in St. Louis as well. Yes. You didn't come up here till being a grandpa. Right. But then did you work up here? That was back in the era when you, you could work at home. And my job was such that I didn't really matter where I was. Well, what job were you doing? I was working for the vice president of operations for WorldCom Telecommunications. Well, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, the last time I left you, you were teaching math in high school. So how did you go there? Well, when I was teaching, um, I was teaching math all day, and I would teach at a community college one or two nights a week. Uh, couldn't have any money. So to make extra money. Yeah. And in the summer, I would teach summer school, or I was going to school. Uh, and after 20 years of that, I just got burned out. Yeah. And our daughters were approaching college age. Uh, so I was able to get a job with McDonnell Douglas Corporation in St. Louis. Uh, made some extra money. Was able to give both kids, uh, we have two daughters, give them a college education. So they have no So debt. you got a bit of a pay raise. Yes. From being a teacher. Rest. And what about your quality of life? Was it much longer hours or because you were working at the community college at nights and evenings and summers, this was fine or equivalent? The hours were about the same. Okay. We would, when we were teaching, uh, and both Carol and I are the same way, we would spend 10, 12 hours a day on our job. Wow. So you teach six, seven hours during the day, and then you come home, and you're either preparing or you're grading papers yep. or whatever. So when I started working for McDonnell Douglas, I, 
you know, I said, boy, I'm putting in long hours. Yeah. And yet, I said, wait a minute, it's the same. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just uh, different, framed it's different. It's different, but it's the same. And so then you were working from home near the end of that, or always? You well, few uh, through a number of jobs with a number of companies. Um, uh, there were layoffs, new hire. You know, I worked for a number of companies through the years, and the last company I worked for was WorldCom Telecommunications. And I can still remember I went into my boss one day and I said, you know, our the group that we're with, we're, we're all over the country. We had like one person in Syracuse, one person in L.A., one person in Seattle, somebody else in Miami. We were just all over the country. Do you care where I work? Can I work from home? And she said, sure. Yeah, that would be okay. But was this pretty, like nobody else was doing that in your office? Correct. Right, and this was 1990s because you said you? Uh, this was, uh, yeah, 99. Yeah, so wasn't so, really happening then. People yeah. went into the office. And had you heard of peers doing this? or yeah. what? Yeah, 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 yeah. And she said, well, you've got a computer, you've got a phone line. That's all you need for your job is to talk to other people. And, you know. and I said, then you do care where home is. And she said, no, I don't care where home is. <laughs> yeah, so because then you knew cool. that you could come up here. Yeah, so I worked. I and I've got a, we have a three bedroom home and I worked in one of the bedrooms is my office and I worked for I guess six months and then Worldcom went belly up. Oh wow yeah. <laughs> so so then you were done. So then I was done with that and uh, my wife said, "Well, you really want to find something to do." Uh, and I checked out at Wabunsee Community College, and I taught out there for maybe six or seven years. Okay, so I think that that's where I had thought you were, yeah, yeah a professor there. And so did you like teaching at community college? Oh, I loved it. Yeah, because what? The culture, the people, the population? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They wanted to be there. They, they wanted, wanted to, to learn. They wanted to be there. I could teach. They were... I would get a class list and a book at the beginning of the year uh, and basically see ya. Uh, and, and no micromanagement. You no could micromanagement, run the classroom. No parents to get hassles from. Yeah. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah, so just, I can teach you guys math. I can teach. Give me yeah. a piece of chalk and a blackboard. I'll teach you anything. I'll teach you math. Yeah. What's your favorite type of math? I like trigonometry. Yeah, I don't even know what that is. I got to Algebra 2. Oh, it's the next thing. And I was tutored. Yeah. Wait, what's what's right after, not Algebra, wouldn't Calculus be next? Well, it, it depends. It's, everything's changed now. Yeah, yeah, nowadays. yeah. But so those are just above that. Yeah. And that is your jam. And that's like equations or that's like... I, a, yeah, I want to know this too. Like, yeah, how would you describe trigonometry? It's to, a relationship between algebra and geometry. You had me at relationship. <laughs> I love a good relationship story. You know, uh, stuff like, real simple stuff, if you think about it, like the bigger an angle is, the longer the opposite side of that triangle is. Yeah. I mean, it sounds okay. real basic right there. And it is. And there's a numerical relationship between the two. Is that like trajectory is essentially? No. 
No, oh, you're no. really saying I'm fancy off. words, yeah. but I like trajectory. Like you He's can making get... the angle side oh. with his hands. I like that. You get um, a relationship, a numerical relationship between the size of an angle and the length of the size of a triangle. See, he's a very good teacher, everyone. Yeah. So tell me about being a dad, and do you feel like you chose to parent similarly to your father, or did, were you like, I really want to be this, or you had a vision for being a dad? Uh, as much as my dad was away from the house, I didn't want to be away from the house. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the family really took number one place. Um, on the other side of the coin, uh, I was always either working at night, doing, scoring basketball games, timing football games, uh, at church meetings. So busy, very Busy as busy. well, yeah. Busy. Describe your two daughters with a couple adjectives. Are they very different? You said they had kids eight days apart, so that leads me to believe they're very close. They're different. Uh huh. Talk to talk to me. Uh oh heavens. Loud, quiet. <clears throat> school when is we, easy. When we when we put hard. together our quote quote final arrangements, and we got our living living wills. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. We gave one of our daughters the um, executor power of attorney if we're ill, uh -huh. and we gave the other daughter power of attorney for financial affairs. That makes sense. Actually. So one of them is stronger in each of those areas. Yes. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. That actually makes a lot of sense. A lot of families do that as well. Yeah. 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 Smart. And so they are both mothers now. Yes. And what's different about being a grandpa than being a dad? Oh, they always say you can give kids back. Uh, we worry, grandfathers and grandparents worry about big things okay. for the kids. We don't worry about really what they're worrying on a day-to-day -day, day -day basis. Right. Uh, we, had, we had lunch with our granddaughter, oh, heavens, two weeks ago before she went back uh, to college. And uh, we, talked, we let her talk about her sorority yeah. And what are your duties there? And she's, what did she say? She's the house manager. And what does that mean? And mm -hmm. what challenges do you face? And we, you know, talk about, as opposed to the day-to-day -day mundane things mm -hmm. that a parent would have to be worried about. Right. Yeah. Um, what do you think um, as a role, I was asking him this before we started, a, a man's role has changed um, since you were younger and supposed to be quiet and not heard um, as a young boy, um, but even like since you were younger, seeing how your grandfather was or how your dad interacted with children or women, how do you think that has changed or evolved in your lifetime? When I was, when I was growing up, it was the father was in charge. When I started working, uh, all of a sudden, there was this big push that, hey, women are just as equal as you are, idiot. <laughs> well, you mean I have to compete for a job with that woman? Mm-hmm. Okay, and we did. Uh, and now that has gone further to not only that men and women are competing for a job, but people of different races are competing for the same jobs. Okay. 
That's think, changed a lot in your lifetime. I think so. Yeah. A lot. Big yeah. time. Yeah. When you were growing up in your school, the ethnicity or the race of the students were all white. Yes. And what about at Wash U? Uh, well, in high school, we had one black guy in our class. And how was that for him? I don't know. It, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it had to be tough. It had to be tough. Although he was he was just as active as the rest of us. Right. Yeah. And we we didn't think of his race at all in in conversations with him or activities or whatever. Which, in fact, I think he was one of our class officers one year. Which that's pretty great, I feel like for that yeah. time. I don't feel like that was kind of typical, right? Or it was changing to see that. Uh, it was changing. It was changing. It was changing. Uh, I, I, I think back to my dad. One of the reasons, I think I can say this, because it's been, heavens, how many years? Uh, 25, 45, almost 50 years now. One of the reasons he got to be the district superintendent was that the he was a principal of a high school, and the current his current boss, the district superintendent, did not handle desegregation of the St. Louis public schools as well as the big boss wanted him to handle it. So he got booted. My dad yeah. got moved in. So he was working on that. Yeah. So you heard those things, or you or you saw your dad being yeah. pro that, and right. Yeah. So that had to influence you. Oh sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, and and when our kids, when our daughters were approaching high school, college age, um, we would say, I would say, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? I'll pay your tuition, your room and board, to wherever you want to go in the country. I don't care. You know. What a gift. Yeah, that's awesome. Because that was back in the day. Well, my wife will tell you, when she was in school, a, t uh, a girl was going to be a nurse or a teacher. That was it. Right. There were not yeah. options. No. And we wanted our daughters to have the option. Do what you want to do. Go where you want to go. Right. And that's changed a lot. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Um, what did you and your wife do with your daughters intentionally for faith? Did you um, create traditions in your home? Did you guys attend church regularly? Oh, yeah. Did you attend the same church? Oh, no, you of said course. you were like 45 minutes away from the one, the Holy Cross. With our daughters? Yes. What church did you go with them? Well, when we first got married and when we, when we had kids, we lived in another suburb of St. Louis called Kirkwood, Missouri. Uh, which was about halfway into the city. Um, and we went to a church called Concordia Kirkwood. I don't know if you're familiar with St. Louis at all. It's off, off of Lindbergh. I went there for a conference like a, a year yeah. ago. That's about it. Okay. Uh, I forgot the question. Um, oh, we went, what we, what we did you do with your daughters? Lutheran, yeah. And they went to Sunday school. They went to youth group. You know, we were... Do you want to go, you know, Sunday night or whatever night it is, time for youth group, we'll drive you over type thing. Cooperated as much as we could. Right. Um, and now do they both attend a church? 
Yes. Chris, our younger daughter's here. Oh, okay. Did you know Reese? Yes. Oh, That's yeah. I know Reese. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's at ISU. He's yes. a singer, a bowler. Yeah, uh-huh. he go. He went to Oswego East. Should have went to Valpo though. I just simply want to. Oh, you <laughs> tried to get him together. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He, um, my kids go to Oswego East. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, how fun! Yeah, I totally know him. I didn't even ever put that together. That was your grandson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good boy. Yeah, he is. So he is the son of one of your daughters, Chris. Chris. And they only have Reese, correct? <clears throat> yes. And then your other daughter. She uh, is a math teacher in Munster, Indiana, which is, what, an hour or so away. So she had the gall to move. <laughs> you she came up Chicago here. She Chicago guy. Yep. And they lived in the city. Okay. And about time when uh, she got pregnant, they decided to build a house. And her husband is from Munster. Uh, and again, very close, families all around. Yeah. Within five, ten minutes. That's so nice. All sorts of family over there. So they decided to move back to Munster. How great. Yeah. Um, what do you dream for you and your wife in the next five years? Where would you, what, do, what would you want to experience? What would you want to do? What are things that you want on the daily to-do list? We want to get up in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Be erect. Yep. Um, it sounds morbid. We've got all our affairs in order. Yeah. Okay. I think that's a gift to your kids. My parents oh, have is. done the same, yeah. and I think it's very nice. That's When my mom died, uh, she had everything in a trust, mm-hmm. and boom, 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 it was done. And we did the same thing with our kids. Yeah. So everything's arranged. Uh, even as far as where we're going to be buried and all that stuff. So buried, not cremated. No, cremated here. When we got, we we bought our slots already. So you'll be cremated, but then you'll have your stuff I'm put sorry? somewhere. You said you'll be cremated, but you'll have your stuff put in the, in the church at church. At in church. the church. Okay. Yep. Did you know that that's what happens at Luther Court? In those walls with the names in on it. Those little niches. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So that's where you you will be. Yes. Um, and are there any trips or any things that you guys want to? Are you up for it? Uh, Would you go to Slovakia? It's it's a little tough. Yes. To, to for travel. Right. Uh, we're getting old. Getting. We wake up every morning and figure out what's going to hurt today. Yeah. Okay. And that, I'm sorry. That's just the way. Just it is. Just the way it is. Uh, now we are leaving for Florida next week. How long will you stay there? Oh, nice. Uh, my sister has a condo on the beach, so rent's good. Rent's good. <laughs> well, how wonderful. Yeah. Well, this has been great talking to you. Is there anything that I've missed that you would like to highlight or circle back to? Because I think your story is, has you been fun. You asked me at one point, what has changed? Yes. Um, and obviously, we talked, to, you know, when we, we talked about the 10-inch TV, black mm-hmm. and white, rotary phone, one phone. One phone. One phone for one family. One car. Stick one shift. car. Okay, yeah. Right? Um, so communication is, and everything was long distance. One of the, you know, you talked about when we first got married, we lived like 45 minutes from yep. my, my folks and 30 minutes from her folks. Calling them was long distance. 
Okay. Oh, I wouldn't have thought that because <laughs> yeah. literally in the same area code in your town was it. We weren't in the same area code. So you had a different one. Well, and you could get one of two numbers. One one exchange was, I don't know, included long distance and one didn't or right. something. You know, I don't know. Wow. Uh, but that has all changed. The other thing that's interesting is when my grandfather Schneider took the family to visit his family in Sylvan Grove, Kansas. You know where Sylvan Grove is? Mm -mm. It's like no. the middle of the state. Okay. So it's <laughs> really <Kansas>. exotic. Okay. <laughs> In the 20s. Yeah. Took them three days to get there. Why? Wow. Okay. From St. Louis. Why? From St. Louis. Because how long would that take now? When my dad and mom took us on a trip to Colorado when we were kids, it took us a day uh -huh. right. to get to Sylvan Grove. Yeah. Now it takes us a half a day. Yeah. Why? So the cars? Roads. Cars the roads, and the roads, the, the interstate roads. highway system. Yeah. Because that wasn't there? That really did change, yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah, you are right. And then air, air travel. I was equate an hour in the air is like a, a day's driving. Mm-hmm. So we're driving down to Florida, and it's a two-and-a-half-day drive, mm -hmm. two-and-a-half, you know, three days. It's a three-hour flight. Yeah. Which way you want to do it? It's true. We're uh, uh, we're planning a road trip this summer because uh, my family in Austin, uh, we went a few years ago with Wesley. And now that we have Gia, we're like, it's time for us to go back down. So we're planning it. And uh, they were extremely generous. They're like, you know what? You got little kids. We're, let's fly down. And Mandy and I are like, no, we miss that time together on a road trip, even though it's like a pain. Yeah. To, it takes all that extra stops. It's totally worth it, though. But it is crazy how easy flights are. But we're, we're going to road trip. Yeah, I, because your grandparents never would have flown. Or your, did your parents ever fly? Yeah. My, well, my dad was, what was he? He was like the vice president of the Missouri State Teachers Association. And he would go to conventions. And he would fly. And he would fly. I can, and you, you know, it was walking, almost you would to walk out to the, to the, not just to the, the gate. gate. To oh, the gate, to the actual plane. Wow. Yeah. Back and it, you felt like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. Yeah. I, yeah. I'd be curious while we have the two of you here, if you'd be willing to share, both of you, as Marnie shared, were on Pastor John's call committee. Uh-huh. And, um... Uh, I've had fun times interviewing at multiple churches. And so I'd be curious, like your reflections on if you've ever been on another call committee before yeah. and like, what, how was this one difficult? Did, did you even know John from no. St. Louis is not, it's big, but not small either. And so we went, when we lived in, we lived in Kirkwood and then we, in 77, we moved out to Chesterfield, Missouri, which is West County where we were teaching, and we went to Trinity Lutheran Church. Uh, that was back in the days. I, we went to John's church once before he was there. Okay. And it was an ALC church. Uh-huh. Okay. And we were Missouri Synod, and he was with ALC. Okay. And his church building right now is within uh, half a mile of Trinity. Uh-huh. Wait, say a say what ALC means for people. American Lutheran Church. It would be what the ELCA has become 
that. Okay. Right. Um, we were Missouri Synod, and we were the first church to get kicked out of the Missouri Synod. Because? Oh, really? Yes. Okay. We wanted to hire, we had an in, a vicar, an intern. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And we said, this guy's really good. We want to hire him as our assistant pastor. What was his name? Bruce, uh, Bruce Modal. Okay, I don't know. Sorry. Bruce was, he ended up senior pastor at Grace in River Forest. Okay. 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 Which huge church, uh-huh. huge program. Yep. Uh, we wanted to hire Bruce. And in April of his senior year is when the walkout happened at Concordia Seminary and everything blew up. Wow. Wait, talk about that. I don't know what that means. <laughs> you got it. I'll back you up if you need any help. There, the pendulum swings a lot in uh, leadership. Sometimes you'll have very conservative people who lead a church, and sometimes you'll have very liberal people who lead a church. Okay? Uh, John Benkin was the president of the Missouri Synod for many years, and he was more on the liberal side. Uh, Robert Preuss? No. Um, I don't remember their side of it. How about that? Preuss, Dr. Preuss was elected, and he was on the very conservative side. And he put a hand-picked group of conservatives in charge of Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. And Concordia was one of the two seminaries that prepared pastors for the Missouri Senate churches. And back then, the professors at the seminary taught using a system called the historical critical method. Of the Bible. The Bible where you would look at the a New Testament, you would look at a story of Jesus, and you would say, what was the circumstances that under which he would say that? Not just, just look at his words, but why would he say that? What were the circumstances? What are the socioeconomic you know, conditions? Context. Yeah. yeah. What, is the, what is not the biblical context, but what is the social Bigger picture. context? Bigger picture, sure. And there were people at the the Senate headquarters, and the, uh, who said that you can't do that, guys. So, and the big one was Jonah and the whale, or technically, yeah. it's Jonah and the big fish. Um, so these these professors, many of whom were my professors as well, they were young professors there at this yeah. uh, Concordia Seminary. What they would say is like. So scientifically, can a human being live in a fish's stomach? Can a fish even swallow a human being uh, and and be, live? So if not, what's the point of this story? Because the Bible is the most important tool that we have. Oh, there's a moral to this story. It doesn't mean that it's not true as in a newspaper, fake news. What it means is that it's truth of of where we need to get as a as a people, uh, where we need where the relationships with one another, and so and that's what they were challenging is just because it's written, it, its truth might be something bigger to help us to be let's be mature when we're reading this that Adam. The name means of man. It's like, or the question is, do Adam and Eve have belly buttons? You know, like, so you get it. So yeah. these are uh, stories 
told for a purpose so we can grow and and what basically happened was these professors the 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 way the the church worked the hierarchy at that time worked is if you got reported you would have to publicly apologize or the professor for teaching you're right. saying or get in line or be kicked out the, the the board said you guys are being taught by a bunch of hypocrites yes and the students said we don't want to be taught by hypocrites. We're leaving. And so it's and we're called, going to quit the school, and they marched out of the school. It was called Seminex, Seminary in Exile, where literally they went across the street from the seminary temporarily, but these professors who were kicked out um, lost years of pension. Lost. Mm. They had to all start over. Right. And so what happened was LSTC, which is in Hyde Park, the seminary that I went to, um, so the Lutheran School of Theology at Chicago, I should say that out loud because acronyms aren't helpful. Mm -hmm. That seminary said, we can house you here. You can come teach here. You can come be students here. Everybody that left. Uh, so the exile continued to the south side of Chicago. Right. And this was a movement that happened in the late 70s, early 80s. And you and really lived through it. The yes. birth of, a, of the ELCA as we know it. Yeah. yeah. So you were in the hot did, spot. We how were. did you end up at Our Saviors? Well, there's more to the story. Oh. You know, during that time, we were at Concordia uh, Lutheran Church in Kirkwood, and Concordia hired four seminary professors uh, at a dollar a year uh -huh. to teach Bible classes. Uh -huh. you got to teach one Bible class right. a year. Yeah. And that way you could keep your pension. Okay. And these guys were That's how they kept these guys were very near retirement. Yes, it was it was awful. They lost yeah. their housing. They lost so, so much. So that was a really beautiful thing. Oh yeah, and the seminary or the Missouri Synod, which happened to be about a half a mile from Concordia, just down the street, <laughs> they didn't like that. Okay. And at one point, our pastor got called on the carpet for stuff like that, and he said, "Hey." That's okay. I'll take my congregation with me, and we'll go over to the AELC, which was the... Uh, it wasn't the ALC, but basically all the ELC absorbed yeah. uh, all of these it was a other kind of factions. Yeah. Uh, so it, and, it was wild times. That's an awesome yeah. story, though, that they like hired them to keep them on the books to save their pension a little bit. Because oh, yeah. that, that was... I mean, like my professors in seminary still cry to this day when they like recollect oh, actually um wow. ralph klein uh, ralph klein was coming to our it. church yes talk to ralph about it sometime it's oh. amazing ralph, so he's, ralph uh, dr klein is coming he comes and speaks like once a year for dialogues of faith so he's coming in about a month to our church yeah. and every time i promote him coming i share this man is one of my heroes like i never understood the old testament until ralph klein taught yeah. me what the bible and god was really about ralph was coming back from getting his phd at harvard right. uh -huh. and he was coming back to st louis with his new newly wed wife when everything blew up uh -huh. so he was coming back to no job I, oh my I, I will never forget the day it's he told amazing. us his story. Yeah. yeah. And so it's, it, it, what, what's awful is like we, we talk about these different types of Lutherans. And you would think, oh, they should all get along. 
there's a deep hurt that has happened over the last 30-ish years in the Lutheran church here in America. And it was because of Jonah and the whale. It was because of like, if you want people's faith life to really be deep and meaningful and not just relying on uh, because so-and-so said it, I have to believe it. Like really putting the ownership into your hands or the people who are reading the Bible, um, families, uh, Pastor John comes from a family of Missouri Senate pastors. And um, so there, I think his family, by the way, I don't think they have the division that others do, right. but there are some that have major like divisions. They can't take communion together. In, in the St. Louis area, I can think of maybe, back then, maybe two non-Missouri Senate churches. So not many. Right, as opposed to up here, are maybe two or three Missouri Synod churches still around? Uh, no, they exist because like my wife came from one, and like essentially, yeah, they're here. It's what I noticed with Missouri Synod churches in the U.S. is a lot of the Lutheran churches that have schools, they right. got to keep. Right. Uh, the and, and I don't know how that got figured out in the battles or how that. Well, happened. no, the, because Missouri Synod came from the Germans. Mm-hmm. And the Germans were very much into education. Right. And they would start a school before they start a church sometimes. And uh, so, you like, our church has a preschool. But, yeah. I mean, like, these these Missouri Senate churches will have up until eighth grade uh, schools. Oh, yeah, so definitely. So that's how you can normally tell if it's uh, a Holy Spirit Lutheran church in school. Most likely it's a Missouri. And yeah. you can tell by their crosses, too. Right. is different than our logo. Anyways, yeah. yeah. Um, wait, so you asked him about being on the call team. Yeah. How, how, how was it? You, I mean, like, because you've mentioned a few times that he's a wordsmith, and I'd be curious about how the experience was for the two of you. Randy made it um, a very positive experience for me. I loved oh, really? hearing your input and um, your excitement for getting somebody great here, I thought. I don't know. Because I felt very ignorant of the um, process. Well, once we dug deep, one of the bad things about the call process is we had to dig deep to find out what's good about our saviors and what's bad about our saviors. What mm-hmm. do we need to change, okay, in terms of the direction we're going, in terms of uh, the direction we're going. Uh, and uh, once we found that out and then molded our questions that we asked the interviewees, mm-hmm. based on what we saw as the problems we were having, and how if you had this problem, how would you right. solve that problem? Uh, Pastor John just jumped out. Yeah, he really did. I have never. I've gotten to work under many pastors and in leaders, and his approach is so mature, which allows me to make my own decisions and mistakes and um, feel very supported and not um, micromanaged by John. Right. And um, I don't think a lot of leaders have the temperament to do that because the you can you can see in meetings when obviously I'm going to mess up or make a mistake yeah. and he doesn't want to see me fail but he he will let, he will let me flow or call shots and it's it's pretty awesome to have that that trust yeah. back back when I was growing up we had we had an expression called hair pastor yeah, yeah. he was the pastor and right. he ran the place yeah yeah if uh-huh. you wanted to 
do anything, you had to get pastor's permission. Yeah. Anything. Yeah, and that's evolved. Big time. I think it has to for the church to survive. So you talk about the difficult situations yeah. that maybe this church was in or other churches are in. Having that honest conversation means a leader cannot just rely on being hair pastor and calling all those shots. Maybe some churches succeed with that. Yeah. But this is a congregation where I think a lot of the people have ownership over um, really caring about the history, caring about the future. And it means that we need you. And so I think it's awesome the two of you played like such an important role role to be on a committee like that so yeah it was it was fun yeah it was good i liked it too it was an interesting experience yeah. uh, and i love pastor john so i think we nailed it way to go guys <laughs> i agree with you <laughs> the other thing we ought to talk about is lstc sure uh the seminary because i was lutheran on, school was, of theology, theology chicago, chicago. chicago yeah. i was on the foundation board of trustees yeah. for 20 years and is it Lane Lewis on that now? He's and Lane took. Now just I took that. recruited Lane to oh, take my perfect, place. Oh, perfect, perfect. Yeah, I like your approach, Randy. Is like it's extremely important for our congregation from the position that we are in, uh, all the people that we have here, for us to say that the education of our pastors for seeing the success of this seminary, it's important for us to be a voice at that table, to bring others uh, to see how important that is. And that's exactly what um, this group does. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that we, we kind of brainstormed who, you know, we yeah. could ask cause it takes the right person at the right time of their life. And, 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 uh, yeah, we did. Yeah. So you're done, done with that. I board. am done. But what was your favorite part about being on that board? I think the favorite part, uh, I guess there were two things. Number one is the, not the recognition, the fellowship with the other members of the board. And these guys were really heavy hitters, you know, corporate presidents and so on. And they treated me a simple old math teacher <laughs> as an equal, Good. Mm -hmm. which was cool. And then the other thing is we would, our meetings were all over the country. And we got to see, uh, you know, Lutherans in all over the country. All That's very cool. And yeah. I would think um, from the outside looking in that that would also give you like a real sense of hope for the future, for the students. It's discouraging. The... Oh. It is. Because uh, if you look at the big picture and see the number of pastors that are near retirement age and the, the number of pastoral students at seminaries, it's a that we have about half is what we need. Right. Oh, and you just know that already coming in. This is who we've trained. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, okay. And the data's been there for decades. We've known right. that this was going to happen. Yep. Um, so when I worked at Churchwide, I remember reading reports that were five, ten years old, saying this is going to happen. But just Metro Chicago, the synod that we're in, um, let's say we have 200 congregations right now. Bishop Miller's been talking about this for years, that in the next five to ten years, these baby boomers who maybe have been putting off their retirement because of the market and how it changed, they're going to retire. Right. And then so what's going to happen is a lot of congregations – can no longer afford a full-time pastor, even a first call, the ones they get to pay like the lowest amount on the pay scale. And the seminary is, when I graduated, we were 70. Was it my 70 class? 70 people graduated. 70, and that was 10 years ago. Yeah. Right now, I think it's 25. 
they're the the freshman not freshman yeah class, the first year graduate school but the first year students it's it's unbelievably small this See, year it, it's so it's it's harder to financially uh, afford this and then to take a call where you might not ever be able to pay off your loans again it, this is the same story for different careers right. so what we're trying to do is to have our congregations understand how important this this calling is this work is and so you make seminary affordable for those uh students which means then you'll actually have pastors when you when they graduate that that don't have this huge debt issue and have to take additional jobs we talked before about that carol and i have our quote, quote, final arrangements all taken care of. And one of the things we've done is set up a trust for our grandkids. We don't want to give our kids money, give our grandkids the money. The opposite oh, the, of your uh, grandpa. Yep. Yeah. He gave you a nickel. He gave your parents an well, eight-place no, apartment. They've got the house. They can, they, <laughs> they can sell, sell the house. house yeah. You yeah. Know, pay off their mortgage. Divvy up, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we've set up a trust for our grandkids, and then we've also set up a scholarship fund down at LSTC. Uh, oh, I love that. For yes. tuition for for pastoral students from St. Louis, St. Louis County, Naperville, Aurora, uh, Oswego. That's fabulous. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, so really future great. seminarian high schoolers who might be listening. Yeah, look you know. up for the Schneider Scholarship. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well... That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Randy, thanks for being an active member in our church. My pleasure. And um, that was yeah, that was exciting. That little uh, turn in the ELCA Missouri Synod. And you a little history lesson for you. Yeah. Oh, a lot of history lesson, and just interesting that you just walked through it. I mean, that was, yeah, was uh, cool. tumultuous. Well, thanks for coming and thanks for listening. And I hope you'll get some of your peers on. Tell them it wasn't uh, painful, and, and and we can get some of them on too. Yes, that would be a good idea. Yeah, I would love that. Well, thanks for your perspective and your wisdom, sir. All right, bye-bye. Bye.